My name is Nick Adams. Uh, I get to be one of the pastors here. Uh, if you don't know who I am, that's my name. Um, we've been in the book of Hebrews, right? Uh, made it to chapter 2, all the way to chapter 2. Uh, Hebrews is so... Uh, in some of the commentaries on, on who they thought wrote Hebrews and, and kind of the setting and the background of it, some people think, you know, it's not just a letter that it was a sermon. And so it's, it's so thick, it's got so much good stuff in there. That's why we've only made it to chapter 2 thus far. Uh, we're going to go through three verses today. And um, when you really think about them, uh, these three verses are part of, I think, everybody's story. If you know Jesus if you've heard about Jesus, and uh, I'm excited about it. But, uh, before I get too far into the Word, I want to ask you, how many, like I asked the kids, everybody's got family, right? You like your family. You might not like them. You might not like your mom and your daddy, right? But, like, uh, it might have been Maverick, I don't know. He said he liked his little cousin. Uh, and she was crazy, right? Uh, everybody, I think, has got somebody that they like, right? Or that maybe they can count on, or maybe they go to. It might not necessarily be your mama or your daddy. It might not be... But everybody's got family of some sort, right? Um, I titled the message, We Are Family. Um, and... I wasn't born until 1990, so this song, I think, came out in 1979. But uh, Sister Sledge, you ever heard that song? We are family. I got all my sisters and me. Right? So I don't know why, but I think about a song. I thought about that song. Uh, I want to say God, you know, just put it on my mind. But at the end of the chorus, they say every time, get up everybody and sing. And when you realize what family you can be a part of or what family you are a part of because of Christ, it makes me want to sing. It makes me want to declare His glory and His praises. And it is overwhelming. And I bet you I'm going to get overwhelmed today trying to tell you about it. But uh, now every time I hear that song, it's going to be a hymn instead of whatever it was meant to be. And God is more than capable of doing that. He can take things that weren't even meant for Him and turn them for Him. Hebrews chapter 2. Um, I think about my family, and half of my family's here today, and I can't even talk about them because if I get to talking about them, I'll get overwhelmed. Because there's people in your family that never give up on you, do they? And uh, I wouldn't be standing up here if it wasn't for some of these people in my family, if it wasn't for some of y'all, and uh, I wouldn't have the courage to try to get up here and tell you some of these things if it wasn't for my family. And guess what? If you are a believer in Christ, all of you are part of my family. Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, if you've come any this year, uh, we have been in Hebrews, and in Hebrews chapter 1, God talks about 
Christ being God's Son and being greater than angels. And, and in, in the beginning of chapter 2, He talks about, He warns us about not drifting away, right? Because we know that when we get caught up in the world and that when we get caught up in our circumstances and our persecution and our trials and our suffering, we get distracted. Same thing was happening to the Hebrews then. Uh, they were thinking about going back to Judaism, back to the law, because they were under such harsh circumstances. And so, whoever the writer of Hebrews is, is reminding them, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we will drift away from it. So listen very carefully. And he goes on to talk about Jesus and and humanity, right? Jesus the man. How Christ has this close connection between Jesus and us. Between Jesus and His people, right? Do you know any other religion or God that came down and bared the same things you did? You can't say that about anybody else. So, starting with verse 10 in chapter 2, now that we know all these things, he says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that He should make Jesus, through His suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. That's just one verse. It says, brought the glory. It was only right that he should make, it was only fitting, some translations say. He chose to bring many children into glory. You've been brought, he chose to bring you into glory. You understand what that means? What did you bring? Have you ever thought about that? What do, what do, what do I bring to God? Nothing. I don't have anything that he doesn't already have. I didn't bring nothing to this party, to this family. You got nothing to offer. That makes you feel kind of ashamed, don't it? Or guilty, or some kind of way. Keep listening. It was only fitting, it was only right that he should make Jesus his one and only Son through His suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. So, Jesus' suffering was the only thing that was right, that was fitting to bring us into God's glory. Which is the only reason we can say we are part of this family. And so if you are a part of this family, if you are a believer, you know that, right? But you need to be reminded all the time because the world will swallow you up and spit you back out. And you get lost and you, and you forget. You are, we are family. You are a child of God. He has chosen you and brought you into glory because He loves you that much that He gave up His one and only Son. Just like the first song they sang. For God so loved the world that He gave us. He gave it 
to us. He brought us into it. Jesus. And why Jesus? Why is Jesus a perfect leader? How, why is Jesus a perfect leader? Some, you call Him a pioneer. You call Him trailblazer. Why? Do you know, like I said earlier, do you know anybody else that did that for you? That came down to take on your stuff Jesus, God uses the tool of suffering to accomplish a greater purpose. And so we see that with Jesus. Jesus accomplished. Look at the, the purpose Jesus accomplished. He brought us into His family because of His suffering, right? But we don't like suffering, do we? We want to be comfortable. Right? And lazy. And guess what? If it don't cost you anything, it don't mean nothing to you. And so why do you think Jesus says some of the things He says? Because it cost Him everything. And so when I read this next verse, you'll begin to understand why God is not ashamed, why Jesus is not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. Because it cost Him everything. And so, how many of you have suffered? How many of you are suffering right now? You're going through something right now. Well, guess what? That's life. And you're going to suffer whether you got God or whether you don't. But God can use something that was meant for harm, for destruction, and turn it for good. And so, if you are constantly trying to avoid suffering or numb it or get around it, you are missing what God can do with that. If God can take His only Son and save the entire world, if they would just believe, imagine what He can do with your suffering if you would let Him. So, apart from God, guess what? Your suffering's wasted. So you know you're going to suffer with or without God. Life's tough, right? I would much rather go through life with God by my side, and using my suffering for something greater than to go through, go through it alone. What does He promise over and over and over throughout the Old Testament and Jesus throughout the New? What does He say over and over and over? He says it to Moses. He says it to Joshua. He says it to David. He says it over and over and over. I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will never leave you. But what do we want? We want a Christianity that, that benefits us, right? What can you do for me? I'll, I come to church because I want the blessings. Right? And you don't realize you're missing and, and the reason Jesus is the perfect leader is because He went first to show us how to use our suffering for a greater purpose. That's why He's a perfect leader. And not perfect in, the, in that something was imperfect. But if you look up the Greek word for perfect, I don't remember what it says or how to pronounce it. 
But that Greek word for perfect is explaining not that something was imperfect, but that Jesus is completes, finishes, makes whole. He is the author and finisher of our salvation. And not only your salvation, but your life. And so when you don't have Jesus a part of your life, you are incomplete, you are unwhole, you are broken. But as a believer, guess what? The suffering in this life is the worst you're going to have it. This is, the, this is as bad as it's ever going to be. That's the hope we have, right? But if you don't have that hope, if you don't have Jesus, guess what? This life is the best it's ever going to be. This is the best you're ever going to get. Can you imagine? That was just verse 10. A perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation is the last half of that sentence in verse 10. And I just want to say one last thing about it before we go to verse 11. That is why Jesus being the completion, the perfect sacrifice, that's why He says, before He breathes His last breath and He pushes up on His nail-pierced feet and He says, it is finished. I have completed what God, my Father, has asked me to do. And I suffered and paved the way for me and you to be a part of a family. So now, verse 11, so now Jesus and the ones He makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them His brothers and sisters. How could Jesus not be ashamed of us? It's a question I ask. Because when I read that, I don't... Do you feel that way? Because, and for those of you that do feel that way, you've probably had an experience with God, right? And He's told you and showed you. And until you have that experience, it's hard, you, it's hard to... I wish I could put it in a bottle and give it to you, but I can't. He, how can Jesus not be ashamed of us? Verse 10 just told us because He is perfect. He's the perfect leader. He's, he's the trailblazer. He's the pioneer. Isaiah 43. <clears throat> I can tell you a whole story about this verse. Um, I don't have time. But um, when I was at one of the lowest points of my life, uh, it wasn't this Bible, but it was one very similar to it. It sat on my nightstand. And it was a decoration. And I've told this story before. And it had dust on it. It was an ornament. I believe it was a... I, I put my drink on it. It was a coaster. Um, but I finally... God finally kept getting my attention over and over and over. And uh, 
I flipped open my Bible and landed about halfway, and, and guess what I landed on? Isaiah chapter 43. Very top of the page. And this is what it reads, and I'm asking God, how do, how do I quit doing what I know is bad for me, what I know harms me? Why do I keep going back to that sin that I know isn't going to satisfy me, does not make me whole and complete? What do I do, God? And so I flip open the Bible and I read this verse and it says, But now, listen, the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name and you are mine. And when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Jesus is not ashamed of you because God from the beginning says, "What you are mine. I created you. I formed you. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. What Psalm 139 says. And Jesus isn't ashamed of you because why? He came to do the will of His Father. And He gave up His right for us. John 15, 13 there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. There's no greater love. Uh, mamas. I think there's a bunch of mamas in here. But when you child, you ever had a child? Y'all, you got older kids, or maybe you got teenagers right now, and they don't listen, and they've they've gone astray, they've left, and they're wayward, right? When you have a child, something changes, and it. God says children are a blessing unto the Lord. And until I had a child, I didn't really ever understand what that verse meant. But when you have that baby and you're holding them in your hand, you get just a, a piece of that wholeness of how much God loves you. And no matter where you go and what you do, God doesn't stop loving you. And so when your kids get older and they rebel and they leave and they don't listen to you, and, and do you stop loving them? You know, no matter how much dumb stuff I did, no matter how far I got away from God, I could always call my family. I could always call my mom. I could always call my brother. And they would remind me who I am. And there ain't no better family to be a part of. And maybe you don't have a mom or a dad or a brother, but guess what? When you're a part of God's family, there will be people there that will remind you no matter how far you go, God's love for you does not change. And that He will get your attention in ways nobody else can. And that if you would just surrender and die like our perfect pioneer, trailblazer, leader that Jesus was, if you would just follow His example, your whole life will change. 
And then, last part, last verse. This is what will happen. Verse 12 says, For He said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He's quoting Psalm 22, 22, and that's David. And if, so if you go read that Psalm right before that, right before Psalm 22, 22, this is what David says. And David's on the run, running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. David's writing these prayers and, and just crying out to God. Rescue me from a violent death. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. Then this is verse 22, what the Hebrew writer quotes. Then I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters, and I will praise you among all your people. Y'all remember when you got saved? You remember when you got baptized? You remember how it made you feel? Because you were close to God, and it made what you wanted to tell people, right? You wanted to praise Him. You wanted to de- declare, "I can't help but tell people because God redeemed me. He ransomed me. He bought me." Verse thirteen. He also said, I will put my trust in Him. That is why I and the children God has given me. That is I and the children God has given me. So then he quotes Isaiah chapter 8. And this is how Isaiah says it. In verse 17, I will wait for the Lord to help us. My only hope is in Him. I and the children the Lord has given me have names. Guess what Isaiah means? The Lord will save. The whole Old Testament, all those people, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, all those people, or a picture. What is a picture? Picture is a sign. What does a sign do? Points you to something, right? They're all pointing to Jesus. I will wait for the Lord to help. My only hope is in Him. So, my question to you, challenge to you, he has given me, right? That was, that was what the Hebrew writer says in verse 13. I and the children He has given me. God has given you what? He's given you an opportunity, right? He's given you Jesus. What are you going to do with it? What are you doing with it? This, uh, it's been a couple months. Last thing I'll say. It's been a couple months. Now, but uh, Miss Mary Ann Lane uh, died a couple months ago, and uh, she wanted a hymn played. <clears throat> and the title of the hymn is "What Will You Do with Jesus?" 
And ever since then, and I'm not big on hymns, um, but I can't forget it. And I can't forget, what, what are you going to do with Jesus? Ask yourself that. And if you've done something with Him, let's say you've been saved, you are a believer, you are a part of this family, are you close enough to, are you declaring His name and singing His praises because you are so close to Him that you can't help it? You can't help it. And if you're not, be reminded and remember that Jesus is not ashamed of you and calls you a brother and a sister. You're a child of God. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Do you know anybody else that does that? That loves you that way? Maybe you haven't failed it or experienced it. You can. For the believer, be encouraged. Remember, this is, a, this is as bad as it's ever going to be. If you don't know Jesus or you don't believe or you're not following, this is as good as it's ever going to be. And there's nothing more depressing than realizing that. Than, than knowing Jesus was the captain. I think King, King James Version uses captain of our faith. Is Jesus the captain of your salvation? Is He the captain of your life? Or are you trying to be captain salvation? He has given me. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. God, thank you for, for letting me be a part of your family. Thank you for Jesus and Him not only paving the way, dear Lord, providing the way for, for, for paying for me, dear Lord, uh, for saving. God, it, uh, I can't wrap my mind around it, but I love being able to, to try, dear Lord, and to see just how much you love us and Dear Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room that hasn't experienced that love, that they will just ask. And for those of us that have and need to be reminded, dear Lord, help us to step out in faith, dear Lord, and, and do something about it and put it into action, dear Lord. And to know that because we are Your children, You will meet us there. Dear Lord, I just pray that as we sing this last song, dear Lord, that you would soften hearts. That, uh, that you would provoke people to come to you. Because you have called them by their name. And they are yours. And thank you for that promise. I love you. Amen.